In the holy name of Jesus. Amen. From last week you remember that Advent has come to save you, but probably in a way that you did not expect. The gospel lesson for last week tells us that Advent arrived to save you from yourself, to save you from your brain, to save you from being a know-it-all, and so from the consequent busyness of your lives that makes you too busy for Jesus, too busy to be here every Sunday, too busy for a life of lavish generosity and great mercy and winsome witness, a failure that is so common in Christians from the time of Noah until now that it just seems normal. In fact, it seems so normal to them that nobody even noticed when this very old man was building a very big boat on very dry land. Nobody noticed until it was too late. Advent comes to save you from a normal, busy life of being a know-it-all. And so the gospel for last week ended with this warning. Therefore, you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming back again at an hour when you do not expect it. Or you might give the text a reading that is at once both more literal and more colloquial. Try this. Pay attention or else Jesus will come back at a time when you will be busy thinking about something else. That's literally what the text says. Be careful, he'll come back at a time when you all are busy thinking about something else, and then it won't go so well for you. So the first gospel in Advent was meant to save us from being a know-it-all. This week, the gospel saves us from being too comfortable with ourselves. Last week it was all about the brain. This week it is about the body. Last week it was about the head. This week it is about the heart. Anytime we get too comfortable with ourselves as church, Jesus sends a prophet. This week it is John the baptizer. John begins by breaking us down. You brood of vipers, are you even worth the warning? Don't count on yourself. There's nothing you can do. Don't look at your family. Even Father Abraham cannot help you. Do not try to run. Do not try to hide because you can't escape. Advent means the axe is at the root of the tree. The wheat is sorted from the chaff. Advent is into the fire to be burned up over and over again unquenchably. And that is the end of that. Or at least it is the end of the previous church year and the beginning of one that is more hopeful. After all, Jesus does not want you to be cut down. Jesus does not want you to be sorted out. And Jesus does not want you to be burned up again and again forever. He'd just like you to stop looking at yourselves for answers. Because when it comes to being saved, there's not one of you here today who can help yourself. Jesus wants you to stop looking inside your heart 
because there's nothing there. So Jesus sends the baptizer out from the wilderness, and John comes to us today to reorder our lives, but not in a way that our busy heads or our pious hearts would expect. Repent, says John, where repent means die and live. Die to your busy, brainy, know-it-all life. Die to your good ideas. Die to your pious, well-intentioned heart. Die to your good works. Die to your well-bred families. Die to your comfortable, heartfelt pride. Die. All of you die. And then rise again. Rise to a heart forgiven of sins. Rise to a life busy in the coming Christ. Rise to a life that is worth living. Rise and bear fruit that befits repentance. Rise and live beyond the reach of death. Of course, if they could, they would, but they cannot. So the baptizer did it for them. First, John killed them, and then John raised them from the dead with a baptism with water for repentance, which Jesus himself later said was a gift that had dropped down on them from heaven, Matthew 21. Of course, none of you can do it either, You can't die a death that is good enough to square things up, even if you died today. And once you are dead, you can't bring yourself back to life. So like John, Jesus does it for you. First, Jesus kills you. He drowns you in the font. Your baptism is a tomb. And then Jesus resurrects you to life. He does it in the font. Your baptism is your rebirth. Or as Jesus said to Nicodemus, it is being born again. And then Jesus gathers each and every one of you in beside himself, behind himself as disciples With a brand new head, after your baptism, you can think like Jesus. And a brand new heart, after your baptism, you can act like Jesus. And a brand new watch, all of you who are too busy for Jesus, now are bidden to tell time by colors. What time is it this morning? It is blue, which of course is a much less precise way of setting up your calendar but it also leaves you time for Jesus and for others. It takes longer and it is less precise, but it is much more in the way of Christ. And suddenly now, two weeks into Advent, all you are and all you've got has been redeemed, your brain and your body, your head and your heart. And you are not only joined to his life, 
and his death, but also to his resurrection. And so to the glory of the Father and the new life of the Spirit. Romans chapter 6. Dead to sin, alive to Christ, and suddenly it actually is possible to live beyond yourself. Or as the epistle appointed for this day says, to live in hope and joy and peace and harmony. And so the blue of Advent, the blue which is the color of sky and sea and the next hopeful thing that is just beyond the horizon, the blue of the sky behind Noah's rainbow, all is yours this morning once again. You are here to receive joy and promise and hope. Bear fruit that befits repentance, says John, to anyone who is serious about the kingdom of God and the coming Christ. Bear fruit that befits repentance. This is not a theoretical statement. The people who heard that preaching and got John's baptism reordered their lives. Luke's Gospel tells us that soldiers stopped bullying and tax collectors stopped cheating and people who had two coats gave one away to the poor. After you had met John the Baptizer, wild as he was coming out of the wilderness, after you had met him, you could not go on acting as if nothing had happened. It happened. And the people to whom it happened begged to know what they could do next in love for God and service to their neighbor. In a very real way, Advent reorders our lives again too. After you have met Jesus at the font, after you have been baptized, you can't go on as if nothing has happened. It happened. You died and you rose. And you too are to spend your life begging for meaning. You're meant to wake up every day and ask the Lord himself what you can do to advance the kingdom of God. As the epistle says, every day you are to engage whatever was written in former days for our instruction. And every week you are meant to be here at the Eucharist to be nourished into your baptism so you can live the life of Christ in thanksgiving and community. It's the third word as a gospel word. Remember the Sabbath day because it is from the Sabbath day that you live. And every breath that you take every day is meant to be in love for God and service to your neighbor. What pleases God? What's the best thing I can do for him and for all of you? What does my neighbor need? And what would help the kingdom of God flourish? Baptism, whether it comes from John or from Jesus, is a beginning and not an end. It is an utter and complete reordering of your life so that the words bear fruit that befits repentance is received as the gospel and not the law, which is precisely the same thing that Jesus says about his own baptism, that you all would be baptized so that you learn to treasure up all the things that he has left behind. 
That is the church's very hopeful Advent business. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.